Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard, John McCormick, who is at the scene in Wisconsin, the fourth uh, GOP presidential debate. And I got to ask you what it was like to be in a purple state like Wisconsin with all these Republicans. Uh, you know, I think it, uh, it worked out all right for them. You know, it was, uh, it was an interesting debate, but, you know, there weren't really any game changers, any big moments or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I think... That's because uh, the guy that it was this. scheduled for didn't show up. That's, of course, being Governor Walker, who didn't... Well, he was Oops. there in, in the audience, as was Paul Ryan. Uh, so, Ryan's previous uh, was very proud of the Wisconsinites in the audience that uh, yesterday. Uh, but, yeah, it was uh, a little, little unfortunate that Walker himself was not up there. <laughs> So in the Instant Immediate Reaction podcast, I asked Bill Crystal who won, and he said Ted Cruz without even thinking of t- about it twice. Uh, John McCormick, you were there. Did Cruz walk away with it? I, I don't know if he walked away with it. I think that he probably helped himself the most, uh, but it wasn't, a, you know, like I said, a, a, any, any huge win or huge victory. But I think that, um, you know, the, the most Im- impressive moment of the night for him was probably when he, you know, laid out his case against immigration, that if we become the party of amnesty, we'll just end up like the Democratic Party. Um, right after, you know, uh, you know, Donald Trump had earlier made this, this case, and that's what tr- Cruz's whole strategy is hopefully bringing the Trump supporters over to him. And if the Trump supporters can see that this guy, Ted Cruz uh, is smarter and more articulate and more principled on this immigration issue. Um, however, many of Trump supporters who are there because of a policy rather than his personality, I'm not, I'm not sure how many people that is. Um, but yeah, I think that you could see them gravitating over toward Ted Cruz at some point. Uh, the other person that, that I thought did well was Marco Rubio, but Marco Rubio is just good at this. Uh, Carla Fiorina is pretty good at this. And I'm wondering if we're hitting that point where okay, we've seen this game, we've kind of, you know, the debates are going to be the debates, and some of the uh, luster is off them, they're going to have less impact per event as we go forward in the process, setting aside any incredible gaffe or something like that. Well, that could be the case. You know, I mean, Rubio, uh, he's very polished, he's very much on message, and so for those of us who watch all of these debates, I think that a little bit of, you know, and, and I've been on the trail with him uh, uh, at these, watching his stump speech, you know, hearing him say the same thing over and over, almost verbatim, uh, to us can get a little old. I would say that, you know, most people at home, you know, the average voter, the average Republican voter even, you know, they're not watching every minute of every debate, and uh, so I think that it's that, that's just what politicians do. And so, yeah, Rubio's come across as very solid in all four of these debates now. He really hasn't had a bad one. Um, arguably in the top one or two um, performances in probably each of these debates so far. And, you know, I thought the most interesting for Rubio is that uh, Jeb Bush didn't go after him, you know, after that first debate. Seemed like he was really going to go hard uh, again after him. The New York Times reported that the Bush Super PAC was, you know, testing out these new messages, willing to spend up to twenty million dollars tearing down just Rubio, and then you know Bush didn't say a single word to him during the debate. So um, that was probably smart for Bush. You know, he's proven in his attempts to attack uh, Donald Trump and Marco Rubio. That's just not what he does. He's just not good at it. Um, I, I don't think he did himself a lot of good. You know, he was he, he was there. He was okay. He um, you know, but I think he needed something more than that. He needed something bigger to sort of turn things around. But it's definitely good to 
just to you know to stop the bleeding uh, is, is a good place to start, I guess, for Jeb. But there were there weren't really uh, any you know major personal attacks. You know the the heated debate about foreign policy is a debate about foreign policy within the Republican Party. The debate about how to move forward on immigration, in particular, what to do about the illegal immigrants who are already here, is a legitimate debate. I didn't see the kind of gratuitous cheap shot. Why weren't you voting? And you know what? You know you're you're a big dummy. Kind of lines from Trump. Not very many of them uh, last night. Did I miss anything? No, I thought it was surprising with Trump not, uh, you know, I think the only insult he probably tossed out there was to John Kasich, who probably deserved it, just given how, you know, crotchety and ornery that he is um, when he was criticizing Trump. But, I mean, you know, Trump got criticized, you know, Rand Paul kind of mocked him for not, uh, on a policy matter, for not knowing that China was not a part of TPP. Uh, you know, Jeb Bush actually stood up to Trump and said, you're completely wrong about Putin taking out ISIS. That's not how it works. Um, and, you know, Trump didn't have much of a response. He said something about, you know, he ended up meandering into how we should have kept the oil from Iraq and given, quote, chunks of oil to the soldiers who had lost limbs. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, so I thought it wasn't, uh, and also surprising that, you know, Trump didn't, didn't go after Carson. Nobody went after Carson. You know, he came into that debate at the... Carson didn't go after Carson. Carson, Carson, well, Carson, Carson went after Carson a little bit. Um, you know, he, he was pretty shaky on uh, foreign policy there, and so you have. But to my point is, Carson made his opening statement, which was fine. Yeah. Answered the first question, jumped out on the press, which was good, and then he kind of, you know, took a nap, and then we wrap things up. And says, "Oh, Ben Carson," and at the end, he makes his uh, final statement, which is very powerful, and that seems to be enough for the Ben Carson campaign and the Ben Carson supporters. What the stuff that happens in between. He didn't seem particularly interested in what it was. I think that's right. I mean, I think that's right for now. You know, in in the past debates, he's he's given a similar performance that, you know, was low key and didn't really impress a lot of people who you know watch politics for a living. Um, but you know, he's continuing to rise in the polls with this you know nice guy, low key demeanor. Uh, I, I do think that you know the foreign policy questions. If you go back and read his his response on uh, on what to do in Syria, just meandering and incoherent. And he at one point says the Chinese are there, and you might have thought that that was a mistake, but now one of his aides uh, just said that he has, quote-unquote, inside information from sources that the Chinese are on the ground in, in Syria. So, I mean, I think people really like Ben Carson. He's a really, you know, likable guy. He is um, obviously, you know, a brilliant neurosurgeon and um, and is uh, speaking in a way that relates to a lot of people. But I think, you know, as you get closer to actually voting, you might think, well, I like this guy a whole lot, but is he really ready to be commander-in-chief? And so if he, if he actually wants to win, um, you know, more than just maybe Iowa, he's, he's really going to have to improve on, on that. When you're a candidate whose handlers breathe a sigh of relief because you didn't use the phrase the pyramids in an answer, that's not a good sign for a campaign, in my opinion. Because let's skip the individual performances, which are, you know, I mean, John Kasich, my only question about John Kasich is who hates Republicans more, John Kasich or John Harwood? Other than that, I don't know why I even talk about him. I want to get back to this issue of the debates and what they mean in the campaign while you're out there. Do you, I just get a sense that we, we had the excitement with Trump and like, wow, who does this? And then we had the train wreck with CNBC and nobody can take their eyes off a train wreck. Are we at a point where it kind of, in essence, the campaigns, they know who the votes are going after. They're, they're running some ads now. Of course, the grassroots organizing, particularly in Iowa, we got the caucus system. And that the debates just aren't going to be the kind of high wire act or have the same appeal. I'm interested to see, for example, the ratings on this. Will they have the same appeal to voters that the first uh, two or three did? 
Well, it probably won't be uh, the same as the first two or three. Did I think CNBC what dropped down to 13 million or so from a peak of something like 24 million? But you know, that's still way more than any of the debates in 2012 right. got. And so, if um, you know, if 10 million people watch this thing, that's uh, you know hugely important. You know, more important than you know the day-to-day back and forth. Uh, you know, in, in Politico and the Washington Post and the New York but Times. But is it more important if nothing if nothing happens? If Jeb is just Jeb and Carly's just Carly, and on you know down the line, that, I guess that's why I'm asking is you know, like Carly Fiorina was able to get elevation and get a, a look from people after debate performances. She's still doing good debate performances, but she's in the low single digits. Have I, I, I guess I'm just wondering where if if the the debates just are going to mean today what they could have meant for a performance two or three months ago. Yeah, I think you're you're right that the the the, the mean the, what it, it's it's changing. You know that it's it's more the the cumulative effect of watching. You know, I've seen this guy now for I might you know you might like him once, or maybe they'll have some you know great breakout performance like Carly Fiorina or a huge flop like Jeb Bush in the third debate. Um, but I think right now, yeah, you just have to sort of see you know Cruz and Rubio just continue to to put in really solid performances, which is the reason why you know so many pundits uh, you know are predicting. Or perhaps wishing uh, that they end up as the final two in this uh, contest, and so yeah, I think that there there still does it. So you know, uh, plays a big role. And uh, you know, Rand Paul and Marco Rubio, I thought they had an interesting exchange last night, just on you know foreign policy. It was the first sign of life that Rand Paul has basically shown in in a debate uh, uh, this year. So that might <laughs> save him from being demoted to the undercard debate next time. A pure uh, opinion question. So you get to play Bill Crystal for this. The Republican candidate who you think best reflects where the Republican primary voters are right now, who kind of has he he or she sees the world the way do, way they do, has the same general reactions, same temperament, goals. Who who do you think that is right now? You know. Um... I would. I don't know. I mean, who who a the the, the large the plurality would be? I think that that would be, uh, you know, close to a tie between Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz. You know, Cruz's problem in the Republican Party has been that he spent so much time, um, you know, attacking other Republicans, blaming Republicans in Congress for all the problems in the world, and you actually haven't seen that in these debates. And you know, the fact that Cruz often comes off as scripted uh, in speeches or in interviews. Uh, you know that that doesn't really come across in an actual formal debate where everybody is scripted and is is performing in this uh, setting where he has excelled as a national debate champion. Uh, you know, went to an Ivy League school and I went to Princeton and I went to you know as a Harvard trained lawyer. So, um, you know, Cruz definitely sort of has his pulse on where you know the conservative movement is on just about every issue. Rubio just has a few variations and. Uh, you know, is is generally seen as a perhaps more charismatic, more more of a natural politician uh, than Ted Cruz. But I mean, they really on, on policy matters, they're they're pretty close to each other. Um, but you know, we did see some openings last night for what what Cruz is going to go after Rubio on. You know, in terms of immigration and you know his tax plan and saying that he's a bit too you know hawkish uh, in foreign policy and you know spends too much money. Um, but I do think that both of them are really kind of uh, the, the center of gravity in the Republican Party of today. You know, it's kind of the, the Tea Party of 20, 
2010, which is Rubio, is now the sort of establishment, and the Tea Party of 2013, which is embodied by Cruz, is now sort of the, you know, uh, conservative wing um, of the party. John McCormick, thanks so much for joining us from Milwaukee, the scene of the debate crime. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.